Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent much of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This month, we're checking out New Earths as we hop across the DC-verse on... Yet another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment Family. Hello, and welcome to Recent Activity, your new favorite entertainment review podcast that attempts to cover every film, every show, all at once. I am your co-host, Andrew Morgan. With me, as always, is my T'Challa back girl, <laughs> Mr. Shane Beauregard. How are you, sir? I am doing well. I like that open, but that was good. <laughs> Yeah, I'm always good for that. I don't know if I said that to myself when the first movie came out or whether I had that in the new incarnation, but it it was right there on a tee. Somebody was going to get to it eventually. Um, (laughs) Good to see you, sir. Absolutely. Uh, We're recording this on a Friday night after seeing Black Panther 2 Wakanda Forever on a Thursday uh, during previews where it's, it's doing quite well. Uh, we could say that at least $28 million on Thursday previews. But bad news is, is that that is less than Doctor Strange 2 and Thor Love and Thunder did on their Thursday previews, which I was very shocked to hear. Um, really? Cause, yeah, because I don't know your experience. It was quite packed in my theater, you know, and, and there are other you know, ones getting let out. And it seemed like that was uh, it was a strong showing in my area, but you know, we'll see. And we'll see if this one will have the goods, have the legs, have everything that it needs to be another billion dollar property for the MCU. This of course is a full review guys. We're going to be as non spoilery as we can for a little while, but then clearly things are going to go off the rails. A lot of things happen. This is a two hour and 40 minute comic book movie with big implications as it is kind of the wrap-up for phase four so we're going to get into all that so if you have not seen the movie maybe try to hang with us for a little bit but it's not going to be too long until all the the gloves come off the masks come off the 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 nails get out whatever um however this is going to progress and uh, I'm interested. I'm, I'm very interested. This is obviously a very high-profile movie, one of the movies that I believe I drafted, right, in our uh, fall preview draft? You certainly did, sir. So, you know, had a lot of writing on this personally and professionally, uh, hoping for, you know, we've talked about this, Shane. Phase 4, and even more specifically, the 2022 MCU products, whether it be movies and or TV, but obviously we're more interested in the films today, have been lackluster. We didn't like, I don't think, any of the ones that came out in 22. We probably all haven't collectively enjoyed one since Spider-Man, and that was back in December. So where are you right now with Phase 4? Because we kind of did this with when we did the Doctor Strange review and everything else, and we kind of do these subtle check-ins we're seeing what's coming forward. You get to see the Quantumania stuff coming coming up. The only other stuff in between is the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which they could throw anything into. Um, but we'll see about that. But Phase Four for you, buddy. Like, where where did you come into? How did you come into the movie? What were your feelings? This one, I, we all discussed this outside the Thor movie, which we were all let down by. I had high hopes for this movie. Yeah, and I knew it had the highest, like the hardest lift of uh, Ryan Coogler had a lot to try to lift in this movie. Yeah, and I was curious. I saw the trailer, so I'm like, okay, the trailer looks really good, and I'm like, this could be the best movie of Phase Four because, as you said, Phase Four as a whole, let's put it this way, it's just been mediocre, mediocre to yeah. bad. You know, yeah, just watchable movies at this point. Yeah, again, I I'm trying to remember. So obviously, it's anything post End Game correct like right. or we is had post black widow i forget where i think they, it's post black widow we had okay. chang chang chi and the 10 rings i think that was the first like official movie to kick off the new phase 
Yeah. So. And, and and so between that and Spider-Man is probably the more positive effects of Phase 4. Um, even though Spider-Man largely is kind of operating on its own level, which you could say in a lot of ways what kind of forever is too, but we'll get into that as well. Or at least the first film felt like it. Uh, this one feels, I think, a little bit different. Um, and then, of course... We had a lot of bad with yes. the Eternals being probably the worst. Oh, see, I forgot uh, about that one. Thanks for bringing that one up again. <laughs> You're welcome. And <laughs> and then, of course, like I said uh, uh, about you know the varying degrees of Doctor Strange two and Thor: Love and Thunder and everything else. So, yeah, it's been rough out here. If you're an MCU fan, or at least from from these two reviewers, and of course Chris, who is absent today. Uh, R.I.P. Chris. No, just kidding. Um, we uh, <laughs> we love him. He's on assignment. He's got uh, stuff he's got to take care of. So he will be back with us next week. But, oh, man, this film, I, especially like I mentioned, the Black Panther films in general, I think it was the first one was not only like just a solid MCU film, but it was also like a cultural event. It was like this a big thing that brought out non-MCU people to the table, it really became like its own identity and really like opened up a world with the whole Wakanda thing to a whole new level of what the MCU could do. Now, is it a flawless film? No. Is it in my top 10? Yeah, but barely for the MCU. Mm. So, so, and again, some people put it way higher. Some, some, for some people, this is their favorite MCU movie, the original Black Panther. But, to me, Ryan Coogler does an excellent job with characterizations. He really had a lot of personality in the first one. And a lot of that obviously has to deal with Chadwick Boseman, who we don't have for this film. And without getting into specifics just yet, the one thing that I thought of beforehand and during and also after is in terms of like the mountain to climb that you kind of mentioned that he had to do. This reminded me a lot of being in Dark Knight Rises territory where Christopher Nolan went in with a plan and then Heath Ledger dies and you have to go, oh, what do I do now? And I think that was a script that was, you know, basically already written and they had to like tear up and try to reconfigure and see what they can do with it. And this one, even though I think they had more time um, and they didn't, they obviously had some idea maybe towards the end, although Chadwick Boseman was very private about his, his illness that, um, you know, maybe this was not going to be as much of a blind side, but at the same time, um, to lose that kind of central figure, it it's a big blow that, you know, some people, some reviewers have said this movie has a Chadwick Boseman size hole in it and, I I have to say, after watching it, I do agree to that to some extent. Um, because, again, like I said, they, they had the giant task of replacing your title character in a, in a series that it is his own. So how did you feel about at least the Chadwick Boseman of it all in the film? Yeah, I, I agree. I think the biggest hole is the Chadwick Boseman hole. That's... It was a main flaw in this movie, and of course, it's not anyone's fault, but it just was, no. and we'll get we'll get into it. I just I don't think they fully overcame that gap that they had to overcome. But if I could just go back for a minute, my experience in the theater because I saw it today, so it's fresh right. in my mind. Super. When you told yeah. me it, my theater was filled to the gills, and this was like two yeah. thirty in the afternoon, right? I get let out. The lines are longer. There's people in cosplay costumes. Yeah. It was like the biggest turnout I've seen for a movie in a long time. So yeah. for you to tell me that uh, it didn't do as well as Thor in Doctor Strange, I'm kind of surprised. But get back to the Chad Bo- Chadwick Boseman issue. It-, it was for me like the main issue in the movie. We'll get into why I think it didn't work on on a lot of levels for me um, with this movie. And again, it's, a- it's such a massive movie to try to like get your thoughts and and get them in a cohesive. <laughs> way to try to explain it because i i feel like i'm going to be like a little bit all over the place with with this movie trying to talk about it yeah which is honestly the feeling i had too as far as like being all over the place i think much like the first one the highs are really high but some of the lows are really kind of 
you know, either distracting, annoying, uh, kind of tough to deal with considering uh, the circumstances and the expectations of the movie itself. Um, uh, a couple of things. One, I want to address uh, the, the numbers because you brought them up again. My big thing is I wonder if Thursday previews were slightly lower only because today te- is a national holiday and with Veterans Day, there are a lot of schools off. There are a lot of people who had the day off. I wonder if people just waited and you're seeing going to be like a maybe a massive Friday when maybe other movies like Doctor Strange or any of those other ones will have maybe less on Friday. So uh, I'm wondering how that long weekend kind of holiday weekend sort of is going to go and how it's going to impact the numbers. I think it's still going to do really well. And obviously you were speaking to the reasons why, and and I think that's going to work out, but I did want to kind of go over the initial numbers as we have them here. 84% rotten tomato score with a 95% rotten tomato audience score. That is incredibly high. Um, 64 meta score, 7.4 IMDb and a 3.8 letterbox. Uh, this film for, you know, obviously, hopefully you've seen it. Like I said, if, if you're here with us today, this is of course the follow-up to the original Black Panther film, which is now what, four years old. I think it was 2018, if I'm not mistaken. This is of course where we are now in the in the wake of the death of their leader, the Black Panther, King T'Challa, now having Queen Ramonda, Shuri, M'Baku, Okoye, and the rest of the crew fighting to protect their nation from intervening world powers in the wake of, like I said, King T'Challa's death. As the Wakandans strive to embrace their next chapter, the heroes must band together with the help of their war dog, Nakia, and Everett Ross, and forge a new path for the kingdom of Wakanda. Let's get into it, Shane. Let's not uh let's not waste the people's time. This movie, like I said, is very long. Uh, it was one of those type of movies that starts right up front and gets all the uh the grieving out of the way or a lot of the grieving, the ceremonial grieving out of the way. Um, and then I thought it started to really take off in the beginning, but I felt as the movie kind of moved along, it kind of I started to feel its length. I started to feel the MCU intervention. We can get into that a little bit. I started to feel it kind of lose focus. And even though it introduced some really solid characters and someone like Neymar um, and really beefed up certain characters that they had from the first film, I think this film is good, not great, and a lot of times can feel very much lost in what maybe the original script meant with Chadwick Boseman and then what ended up coming in the other side. But knowing the degree of difficulty, I did give it maybe a nicer outlook. But it is one of those films that at the end of it, people started, some people started to try to clap and the audience wasn't backing up that clapping. It was one of those like, oh, a smattering. Okay, so we had a smattering of applause. And honestly... If I if I felt how I did at least maybe about the first one. The first one when I saw the first one, it was an uproarious ovation at the end. And even though maybe I wasn't going to give that, you still felt that kind of energy at the end of that film. At the end of this film, you're more just like exhausted <laughs> a little bit. So, how did you feel about the I, film <clears throat> once it once it ended for you? I'm glad you said that because I felt the weight and the length of this movie. It's too long like it's i 40 it's rough. yeah i i started looking at my watch on several occasions which is never a good thing when you're watching like an mcu movie so i started to kind of check out and you're right it was funny you said that at the end like two or three people clap then five seconds later someone else would try to clap and they never <laughs> came they, they were never in unison when they clapped yeah. and here here i'll admit this on air to everybody I got up and left. I didn't wait for the post credits. I went on the internet to see what they were because I didn't feel like sitting there for another 10 minutes in the movie theater. Wow. Yeah. Listen, and you're not the only one. I mean, like, and and as far as post credits, they got to that post credit kind of early. And there wasn't right. that one at like the end end because I stayed until the very end. And so there wasn't a lot. There wasn't this kind of like big setup, you know, 
because right after this, we're going to get right into, you know, way more multiversal Kang stuff and whatever that doesn't seem to affect this movie. Right. I will say that one thing, obviously, that is definitely affecting this movie is the introduction of Ironheart, uh, which (sighs) Riri, um, I thought, again, much like the film, that Ironheart slash Riri seemed way more fun and cool in the beginning when they first started trying to to get her mixed in. But as things progressed, she just became part of the background. She wasn't a big value add. And in fact, in some of the fight sequences and everything else, she kind of seemed out of place. And and when you're having almost like tribal warfare and she's full tech, even though obviously we know what Wakandans are capable of. But yeah, I don't want to get too ahead. But uh, no, I... I thought she was part of the MCU meddling that you brought up. Um, yes. I think they just kind of shoehorned in this for a later project that she's going to be part of in the next phase, whatever they have. Because, again, I had an issue with her storyline. We'll, we'll get into it. But, yeah, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, you're fine. I, I just want to, like, kind of take to ta- like take one thing at a time. Because this movie had a lot of things it had to try to, quote, accomplish. Right. And so I kind of want to like go through them a little bit. One, how do you think they handled the post Chadwick Boseman era of this universe? Uh, okay, so I like you talked about this opening scene. I did like that tribute. I liked what they did with the Marvel logo uh, at the beginning yes, of the I, movie. That was a very good. Yes. Yeah. So I, I thought they handled that really well. But as far as like the place in the MCU post Chadwick Boseman, I'm really not feeling it, to be honest with you. Um. Mm. Because to me, to care, like, and we'll get into it, but the Sherry character, I didn't connect to at all. And her motivation for what she does didn't make any kind of sense to me. So she kind of took me out of the movie. And it's not, we're not spoiling anything yet, but like when she spouts that line of, um, I want to burn the world down. Yeah. uh, Why? Because your brother died of a natural cause illness. Like that just, it didn't connect to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know. She took me out, so I don't know how I feel about her moving forward in the universe. The cast is really great in this, though. Uh, Winston Duke, to me, delivered the funniest lines of the movie, which I thought it lacked a little humor within this movie. It did. Uh, like the whole fish man thing and like um, it just the, his one-liners worked for me, and I liked him in this movie. And shout out to Angela Bassett, who looks lean and ripped for 65 years old. It's unreal how good she oh, is. Good and by the Lord. way, I don't want to just minimize it to that. I thought she was overall like the standout of the film. Yeah, I think yes. she has the most emotion. She, she is clearly the veteran presence this movie needs. And she sticks every emotional scene that she needs to. I thought she was uh, right at the top of the chart and right behind her, uh, Nepito Luongo, I'm glad that they had a bigger chunk for her instead of like making her like fourth or fifth lead in this type of film because a she's too good for that and b I think Brian Coogler knows that and he he pitched it the right way and I thought she looked incredible sounded incredible was the presence that they needed in that like kind of early to middle part of the film when it could have gone awry um, but yeah. Excellent. There are some excellent performances, and the cast is, as always, very deep. Right. I just thought, overall, this movie wanted to evoke a lot of emotion, but for a movie who tried to do that, it lacked emotion in a lot of scenes for me, outside of the the ceremonial stuff at the beginning yeah. and stuff. I just thought it was trying to go for that emotional punch, but it, it I couldn't connect with the characters that, outside of, again, Angela Bass's character, who, again, was the best part of this movie's. Um, I, it just didn't land for me, man. I just, I thought just lacked that emotional depth that they're trying to build. Yeah. And, and speaking of building, uh, some of the carryover or the consistency. And I wonder again, if it's MCU disease or whether it's actually maybe seeping into Ryan Coogler as a, as a filmmaker, but in both black Panther movies, I think the weakest part of both films is the end. Or like the the climactic stuff, mostly because these movies always devolve into some larger fight, some CGI fest, and um, and also obviously you know something that's gonna they usually bring it out into the daylight 
more, which is weird for like Black Panther. I saw, especially the first film, like all the night scenes were probably my favorite ones or the in the interior fight scenes, like the casino and things like that. But when they started getting out into like Wakanda backdrops in the light or being out on water, like it was with this or any of those other ones, I didn't think they had any kind of emotional impact or proper staging. And they end up coming off very bland compared to like say stuff that's earlier on in the film which is not what you want especially if you're like having these kind of like early like allied wars or civil war like depending on how you want to feel like these two nations that are you know clearly very similar and and hidden from the world and everything else that you would think they'd have more in common and want to be allies but instead obviously devolve into a, a giant battle as far as like the introduction of new characters how did you feel they handled Neymar and that whole new world that's not Atlantis, but is Atlantis? <laughs> Atlantis, right. Yeah, right. I, oh, it's a hard one because I kept, this is the character I was thinking about the most when the movie ended. I like the actor who played him. And admittingly, I don't know a whole lot about Neymar from the comic book source. So I don't What's know if that's Mariner, just, baby. You didn't uh, yeah, watch I, those cartoons. <laughs> I saw the cartoons, but I never read the book. So I don't know if that if that was his tr- if that was his true origin story. They just kind of made that up. I, I didn't really care much for his backstory. If that, you know, but I liked yeah. him and I liked his character. But the underwater scenes, this is get they're bad. They're bad. They're just dark. They're bland. The CGI is just awful. Awful. I agree. I agree. Awful. Uh, because. Again, not that you want to compare, but I mean, we're, we have Avatar trailers everywhere, everywhere you go. And you're like, God, it's so luscious and blue and deep and clear and everything else. And then you're in this world where you're just like, okay, why is it so bleak? <laughs> and, yeah, right. I kept thinking, is this a Game of Thrones episode they just threw on here? Like, what am I watching? <laughs> I, can't, I can't see anything going on. Right. They, they, yeah, you're right. They needed brighter tones and brighter colors with that whole under you know, Atlantis world that they set up. Yeah. Cause essentially if you're trying to pitch this place as kind of like either a Wakanda comp underwater or like at least like some kind of utopia that's worth trying to defend. Yikes, man, do something with it. I mean, there was some, it was a large city. It's impressive or whatever, but I don't know. I wasn't enjoying my time in, in the underwater scenes. I, I, I agree with that completely. Yeah. So it looks like a very depressing place to live is all I'm going to say. I'm putting it out there. So the other part is, and I, I guess I want to like dive back into the MCU of it a little bit, where because Black Panther as a product, as a person, as whatever, I, the things that we're not mentioning, or at least I can say, first of all, I do agree with you about Letitia Wright's Shuri and where she stands with the Black Panther figure, kind of like trying to take the mantle. I thought it was very smart by... Ryan Coogler and or Kevin Feige or whoever's idea it was to not only and this is a major spoiler everybody so if you're still hanging on and you're like oh I'm it's not so bad we're about to rip it so don't uh don't hang on if we're doing it um at the mid credit scene uh end credit scene however you want to play it um of revealing T'Challa Jr. um the next essentially what they will probably try to prop up as maybe a future black panther i think a this kid is the perfect casting he looks like chadwick boseman he's adorable as hell and you know it makes more sense to kind of put kind of the next version of this a young version that could still be king t'challa one day um to kind of reset the franchise but i think it's also kind of a small indictment on Letitia Wright and Shuri and how this all played out where it's like she's not strong enough and it's a huge ask to ask her to fill that shoe right and um and especially to do it probably midway in the process of making this film you know the pre-production process and the original script and everything else so I agree with you that I don't think she held up and I think even they know that this was kind of like a one-off scenario that will slowly go but i do also want to because you already brought it up which i was laughing to myself if this was house of the dragon shuri is now thinking of how to snuff out young t'challa right 
<laughs> yes. That kid is almost getting stabbed or like somebody's coming in and just kidnapping that kid in the next movie, isn't it? Like that would be how this is going to, it turns into a succession piece within Wakanda, <laughs> right. you know, b- being like, oh, this kid's just going to wander in here from Haiti and just take my job. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. So I can I... see that being like the, the houses start to uh, crumble in, you know. And actually, that wouldn't make for a bad movie where I thought they were going to go. I, I don't want to see that from this group. Well, I know. I know. I'm yeah. being facetious. But um, yeah, where yeah, I thought yeah. they they were going to go, which I was hoping they would go that route, is hand the mantle over to uh, Nipita Luongo's character. I thought she yep. would have had more heart as that character and would have been a better representation of that character in my in my book. I 100% agree, but I don't think in any world that they thought they could do that. Only because she left, she's on the outside, she's not technically blood. There's a whole thing to that. But I agree as far as like presence and the look and everything, like just uh, sheer star power. She has it way more than Letitia Wright. Yes. Letitia Wright still seems like just a, a young kid figuring things out that doesn't have the gravitas of a Chadwick Boseman or, like we said, even a Napita Luongo. So that's a tough, tough sell. I understood it. But, man, even like at points I was like, man, I hope it's Angela Bassett. <laughs> like the, the suit, and she, it doesn't matter who's in the suit. It's going to be some person doing fight scenes anyway, right? Right. Um, but it's interesting how that all played out. But I, I actually enjoyed Neymar, and I thought it was so good. Again, a lot of things were so intense and good early on that I honestly, I just thought like, wow, this could be the best MCU movie in a long time. I thought that like probably about a half hour, 45 minutes in. And then it just slowly, slowly just started to unravel, started to get into the MCU issues. And then it ended up in the Ryan Coogler zone or the MCU zone of the third act and, and you know, kind of ended on a on a whimper. So, and then tried to play your heartstrings yet again at the end as you're doing bookending in the film. And But you're, as to your point, two hours and 40 minutes in, how much more am I going to take? Right. I, I, I echo a lot of your thoughts. At the beginning of this movie, I'm into it. I'm like, okay, this is we're going. And then it just slowly lost steam. And by the third act, I... I I call it the Wonder Woman syndrome, where if you go back to that movie, I love two thirds mm. of that movie. Then the right. last act is just a CGI nightmare. Oh, it's with awful. These, with these two armies going at it. I'm like, and then I'm like, can we just wrap this up? Can we please just start wrapping this up with yeah. and that, that, that costume, the Blue Angel costume? I laughed at that. I thought that was ridiculous. The Iron yeah, they're Heart making costume. fun of it in the movie, and it didn't get yeah. any better. <laughs> yeah, the Ironheart costume, I swear to God, I thought Ultraman when she put that thing on. Like, oh, when did Ultraman get here? I know. <laughs> like, yeah. It, it it was bad. They overthought it because they were like, we can't have this look like a Stark creation, but we also, right. you know, have to have it look somewhat like it. And then they overthought it and you end up turning into like <laughs> like Roblox or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. like like some or Minecraft, excuse me, I meant Minecraft. <laughs> like where it's got like very blocky and weird and jagged. Right, and I also thought Julie Lewis, Julia Lewis Dreyfus' character was shoehorned in there as well as part that of the was MCU be my problem. Next thing. Yeah, yep. like why is she here? Is this all? It, like it's just another agenda of trying to feed into um, the new show Thunderbolts or whatever it is. Thunderbolts, or? yeah, the Thunderbolt yeah. agenda. So it's just it's all going to be a part of that because you're that's going to involve. I know it's a lot of the people from the like the show she started on, like a lot of the Disney Plus shows. Yep. But I forget whether – is she a part of that? Is Ironheart part of that? I don't know. There's rumors there might do a Young Avengers. That's why they brought up Chadwick Boseman's son, uh, like him, Kate Bishop. Um, yeah. Ironheart he's like, like way younger than them now. So yeah, I'm interested I, I know. when that's all going to come together. But I guess – Did you like – I'm sorry. Did you like that Peloton so, joke that she told to uh, Martin Freeman there? <laughs> I did. Do you remember I it? I did. Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> That whole thing was kind of fun, but again, like she, to have them be like ex exes and everything else is interesting, I guess. But it just doesn't matter at the end of the day. He was like, it almost seemed like uh, Martin Freeman like was not on set 
they had him like for a day and just like, oh, just have him make a bunch of phone calls and just bang him out in a day. <laughs> like it just, yeah, let's just have him drive around. We'll figure it out. Because um, he only interacts with Julius Dreyfus. He goes to a couple crime scenes and then he talks to uh, Shuri for like one scene. And, you know, otherwise it's like the beads and a phone call and whatever else. So like it's it's all very you know, far away. So I don't know if this was a, a COVID affected movie too, or however these things go, but yeah, it's just like I said, I hate to keep repeating myself, but it's just, it was so strong up front that it just couldn't cash the check that it wrote so early on. Because I thought like the, when the, you first see uh, Neymar and his crew come through and attack that ship. Once they find the vibranium in the water, I thought that scene was great. It was I a thought good that scene. scene was intense. And like the siren song things where people are walking right into the water. I was like, this is getting crazy <laughs> now. This is like in, really intense for, for an MCU movie. And so a lot of those things I thought worked really well. And also Lake Bell. High oh. up on the list. Love a yeah, Lake you, Bell. You, you, you stole my thunder. I was going to give a shout out to I call her the hot. The sometimes hot, sometimes not Lake Bell. <laughs> you know? it, it's like that Seinfeld episode. Depending on what light you see her Yeah, in, what like, light oh, you see really her hot. Totally. Yeah. But yeah. She, she's the older version of, um, what is her name? Al- Alessandro Diodario from like the, the Baywatch and the True yes. Detective and all those. <laughs> she's like, yeah, she's like the older sister of her or yes. something like, or, you know, something like that. But I'm glad um, you noticed that too. I was like, "Wow, she's in here for five minutes. Good job." I I did, and I as I understood, a lot of people were kind of mentioning. I've I've listened to a few other podcasts about it. Is like they they think that she was in a scene where she was a bigger cog in all of this, and then that got written out. Why do you hire Lake Bell and then have her essentially just be in for a couple minutes and get blown up? Like you just right. don't do that. So I think she was supposed to feed info to a larger figure that didn't play into the movie, which I think that was, I think it was going to be something if Chadwick Boseman was still alive and that was all there. And then they had to reconfigure so much that she just plays a tiny piece of it. So that that's tough. But did you have any other kind of like favorite scenes if we want to be, be nice or any other kind of like aspects of the film that you thought were positives? No, I think we wrapped it up. Like I said, I I, I wish it had, had a little more humor in it. Because um, I wrote down a couple things, like Nabaku said, about, oh, we get another spy in here to save Wakanda, and she'll probably get rewarded with banishment. I thought that was a, kind of a good line. <laughs> uh huh. I liked his whole vibe in this movie. I, I, I What were your thoughts on the last, and we won't say how it happened, but like the whole Neymar-Black Panther confrontation, because I just... I know comic book movies are unbelievable. Like he spat out a line saying he's as strong as the Hulk. And then you had what you had. And I'm like, mm, mm, mm. you know, I don't know. Well, I, I had issues with that, but no, go ahead. Well, it goes in tandem with a couple of things I said prior. Number one is that they always struggle in the third act. Number two, that he's not great at staging fights so much. And, and they become more about other things other than the fight. Like, if you remember the like the Killmonger Black Panther uh battle at the end of the first Black oh, Panther terrible. is terrible. And the staging with what like that what is it like a, a bullet train. train or some yeah, kind of thing that train. goes through or something that goes I, I it's terrible. It's terrible staging there and it's heavily CGI'd and it looks odd. This one was a little more grounded, but it definitely kind of felt all over the place and didn't have like this ramp up that I felt that was necessary. And right. all of that is also part of my issues with the, the Riri Ironheart thing. She's there as this like, you know, ultra intelligent kind of like junior Tony Stark, etc. And she's there with Shuri who kind of acts as Wakandan's version of the same thing. So right. they kind of make each other either redundant or background each other, which you don't want out of either character. Because if you want to really get more out of Ironheart, you got to foreground her. But you also don't want to take away from Shuri, who is your Black Panther and on the rise in this movie. So I thought that dance of how they had to kind of interplay them didn't work. And it it 
added to the whole, quote, plan of how to take on Neymar, it was kind of unimpressive or a little unimpressive. So all of that, while it held my attention, I don't think it impressed me. Does that sound fair? No, that's fair. And uh, another scene I liked, and I'm glad you brought it up, I did like the Michael B. Jordan cameo in this movie. I like that scene. Yeah, How, what's your thoughts on the whole Astro Plane thing? Because I, I, I should have rewatched the first Black Panther movie to understand more about the Astro Plane, which I kind of had to do the backwards thought on, like, why is she talking to him in particular, and how does that work? Because I guess her questions more lie in what to do next or what tact and how to act towards right. Neymar and and being a leader and all that stuff, and of course. Chadwick can't be there. Right. So it makes a lot of sense to have Killmonger there, but it's also like, couldn't her mother be there? <laughs> yeah, I thought that could be the case, but uh, I think Killmonger even, my, the way I took it was deep down, like he said, you called me here. So like deep down, that is the person she probably connected to at that moment because it was about revenge and scorched earth and like, what length she would go. She would go to the length Killmonger would try to go to, not the peaceful, you know, Angela Bassett kind of way. So that's the way or, I got it. Like or the honorable deep- stately version of Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I thought maybe deep down at that point of her character, she connected more with the Killmonger character, even though she didn't believe it herself. Killmonger knew like what she had to do. So I think that I, that's how I interpreted that scene. Well, it's the tough balance again of this movie trying to, it had so much going on that I think it took away from the whole, is Shuri breaking bad? Or not breaking bad, but at least getting darker in her thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like, you had that one scene where, like you said, she wanted to see the world burn or whatever for after her uh, brother's death. But, A, like you said, that's a weird motivation for something that seems like, yeah, the the universe, I guess, is unfair or whatever, but it's not entirely his fault or anything that they implied and then you don't get a lot of scenes after that that kind of imply that her intentions are increasingly dark right like she goes you know she essentially gets kidnapped and taken with Neymar and his crew but while she's there she's very composed and still trying to be like diplomatic and try to be like hey we don't want to go to war with the world and I don't appreciate you trying to, you know, force an ally ship towards your goals um, right. in protecting your lands and your problems. So I appreciate the the kind of, you know, geopolitical warfare discussions, essentially, and that kind of stuff. I, I didn't mind all that, but it didn't do anything for Shuri if you're trying to force towards a thought of, is she trying to decide between being a Killmonger or a T'Challa. Yeah, I agree with all that. So there's a lot of themes, again, that go through this whole film on top of trying to serve the MCU stuff and everything else to where I think the highs were really high and the lows were tough to deal with or got mishandled in a lot of different ways. Um, I have one one major nitpick that I hope will make you laugh. Okay? Okay. You ready? Yep. Your main villain slash antihero is Neymar. His main sidekick slash henchwoman is called Namara? (laughs) What kind of twisted comic book bullshit is that? I'm like, like, does anybody else find this ridiculous? I'm like, just wait, what is her name? And then I looked up, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? It's one letter. Come on. Come on. I did notice that, and I did chuckle when he said that. I'm like, wait, did I just hear that right? Did, did Say that name again? No. <laughs> you can change the name of the whole region, underwater region from Atlantis to what I, I'm forgetting it now. It's like to... to Taka something, man. Yeah. Too hard to, to pronounce. To something way, way different. But you couldn't change, if it's her name in the comics, Namara's name to something else? Come on. That is yeah. an oversight. That is uh driving me crazy. But all right, let's uh let's let's talk about one thing real quick and then we'll we'll get to scores. So now that it's all over, 
and phase four is all over. How are you feeling now? Now that we're at the end of all this and, and all we have to look forward to is a holiday special before we get into Quantumania, are you still kind of having a lot of the same feelings we've been talking about throughout the year? Yeah, this movie did not change my feelings towards Phase 4 at all. Um, yeah, I'm disappointed overall. I Honestly, these movies are starting to wear me out a little bit. <laughs> Especially like, the length. I don't know if I'm getting old or whether these movies are just not the driving force that they were. Because they always had some agenda. It's not like they never didn't. Right. Like, for every Ironheart or America Chavez or whatever we've had recently... There were successful versions of that before with, like, say, Black Widow being in an Iron Man movie or in, in uh, Winter Soldier or whatever. Or like These kind of extra pieces. There's always been something there where you get introduced in some other form that started that initial bond. But this is not it. No. Again, I, we discussed this before. There's no there's not a lot of connective tissue right now in Phase 4. It, there's, yeah. And it's fine to have standalone movies. But like it seems like they're trying to make all the connective tissue towards the TV side of things right now. So I, I don't know what the hell they got planned for phase five. But if it's anything like phase four, I might be out on these movies, man. Like, I, I don't know how much more I can take. <laughs> and honestly, I think even though she's fine and she'll probably be a solid uh, performer in the MCU for a while. Once I saw Julia Luis Dreyfus, I was like, come on, not this movie. No, I know don't. she seemed out of place. She seemed very out of place and again, forced into this movie. And it's not a big ad. The whole government angle of this whole thing didn't add that much to this movie and you didn't need her. Agreed. So, so I agree with you. I, I'm still kind of just like, what are we doing here? Trying to do that heavy balance of not just the movies, but also the shows and the integration. It's just, it's become, it's not confusing. It's just annoying at this point and disjointed. And I just, and honestly, I have, even though I really like Jonathan Majors, I still have a lot of apprehension about, is he the presence that's going to carry like a Thanos to be that kind of central villain character? Is he going to land that plane to take this all the way for the next few years? Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, no, I'm going to just, no, I don't feel it. My gut doesn't feel it. I say no. Yeah, I don't feel him in the trailers, uh, you know, especially because he's a big piece of Quantumania. So I think Quantumania will have to be the true breaking point. And I mean that everything. And it shouldn't sound like that because they're starting a new phase. But it needs to set a tone to where I'm like, okay, I'm back in. Because Agreed. this movie ending the phase doesn't carry anything over. Because it's more standalone than it has other parts that move the story along. And it's not like we're saying, okay, now Shuri's the Black Panther. Let's put her in the next Avengers movie. We're probably not going to see them for quite a long time. So it's tough. It's really tough to know what's going on, what's in their, in their plans, and, and how long we're all going to be on this ride. Because, yeah, are they entertaining? Sure. But are they what it used to mean to us when this all first started and how it ramped up and leading into the Infinity Saga's conclusion? No. No. No, it hasn't. Um, so let's get to it. Let's get to the scores on this one. Where do you sit out of five stars, Shane, on this movie? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, you got you get in my head once in a while when I'm thinking about <laughs> my scores. Uh-huh. Because I want to score this lower than I would have. But based on what I scored Thor, Love and Thunder, yep. I can't go lower than that because it's a better movie than Lo even though thank thankfully Thor is like a whole 50 minutes shorter, but again, this <laughs> yeah. was this this was a better movie than Thor, Love and Thunder. Uh, I enjoyed this more than Doctor Strange. I, uh, I'm going to give it a uh, I'm going to give it a between a 3 and a 3 and a half, nail to a wall. Ah, I'm going to go 3 and a half. Yep, I'm same as you. Same okay. feelings, same everything. It's like we can't do quarters, whatever. Like this movie started out as a solid four and completely unraveled to being like a three and a half, three and a quarter feeling. Yeah, agree. Completely uh, agree. Cause but what's sad though, it's right in the 
the mid-range MCU zone, but I think it's towards the, the top of that list. So see if you follow me here, because I'm a nerd who keeps the rankings, okay? And I don't know if you do too, uh, so we can share along if you do. Okay. So I think you got your unassailables to me, uh, which are Guardians, Winter Soldier, Avengers, Infinity War, uh, the original Avengers, and Endgame. And then you start to get in that next tier, but super, super solid of Civil War, Homecoming, the original Black Panther, and Far From Home. Sorry, No Way Home. And then now you're into the tier that like Wakanda Forever's in, where you're probably in the Ragnarok, Ragnarok, Shang-Chi, Ant-Man, Guardians 2, you know, Spider-Man 2, Far From Home territory where you're talking that's like a three and a half three 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 to three and a half territory of you know solid but still issues and a lot yeah. of them to to a movie mostly have third act issues <laughs> that really break the movie so um you can go with that and then there's like of course then the lower lower tier where you're starting to get into you know there's this the basic but not bad which to me is like Ant-Man and Wasp, Iron Man 3, Ant-Man, and then it's like and uh, Captain America and Thor, like the original Thor. And then it's like getting into like the the bad, where it's like Iron Man 2, Black Widow, Doctor Strange, both Doctor Stranges, Captain Marvel, Incredible Hulk, Age of Ultron, Eternals, and uh, Dark World. Yeah, that feel I mean, right to you for the most yeah, part. Yeah, it feels right. Yeah, for the most part, you have some of your lower end in my mid tier and vice versa. But regardless, to me, this is lower mid tier MCU, not like lower part of the mid tier of the MCU for me. I currently uh, the, have the, it as eleven, but it could slip because I, I think it, my between my eleven and sixteen, they're probably all interchangeable. Yeah, I'd probably go between 14 and 18 on this movie. Wow, okay. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like the Jared Goff of uh, movies. Like, <laughs> if he had to put, like, quarterback ranking is in there, right? He can yeah. win you a playoff game, but uh, overall, he's going to let you, you know, it just doesn't work out. So, yeah. Yeah. I want to say, I should have said this before we went into that, too, but there are just certain things, like basic things that I liked in the first black panther that didn't carry over even though they're the same people potentially like i thought the score was a little less prominent i thought the soundtrack was excellent in the first movie and then suffered because i guess you didn't have the kendrick lamar effect or any of these other things that were a big part of that first one and i think anytime a movie like this the first movie is so much wakanda and like very much a couple of locations. And now that it's kind of like stretching itself, I think when it starts to really go all over the place, it really starts to suffer. Yeah. So yeah. I think that all adds up to, like we were saying, a a week, three and a half or, a, you know, three in that range. So, yeah, I don't want to say like just annoyingly say it's a movie, <laughs> but, but like, it's a movie. It is, it is, and it's just a little bit above, and I think that's because the cast and Ryan Coogler, I still have faith in them, and their, and their performance and their their abilities and their talent just will shine through enough in some major key moments. But I think, I don't know, I really want Ryan Coogler to not keep doing big top action movies. I want him to to get more grounded again and... I know he's no longer with the Creed franchise, right? So Correct. Uh, it's Michael B. Jordan directing the the third one coming up. But, yeah, I need him to, like, do a solid drama or something. Right. Again. I need him to do something. You know, he's making his money. He's out there. He's doing a, a good job. But I think he has a lot left in him as, like, a prominent, prominent director. And I want to see him get back to it. Um, all right. So I think that's it. For Wakanda Forever um, and our phase four ending conversation and looking at the MCU. Um, what are we looking at for, for next week, Shane? Have you taken a look? I, For me, the movie I'm going to go see is The Menu. So that is next week. That is okay. the 18th, sir. Yes, sir. 
Yeah. And for anyone who wants to check me out, I'm uh, you know, still reviewing films as the film critic for what's on Netflix. I just did uh, My Father's Dragon. So you can go check out that film and check out my review on the site there. Uh, my next review will be on Wednesday for The Wonders starring Florence Pugh. So uh, be sure to check that out when that comes out and check out my review there as well. Um, I think yeah, more get- now than ever that I've seen Wakanda Forever, I need to see The Woman King to kind of go, did they do it better <laughs> um, in that? Um I know we're also. I know it's so sad because we haven't even hit uh, the 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 Thanksgiving period, but this is how it always happens. But we have uh, Christmas stuff coming up, and I know we've talked about on the side whether we want to try to maybe do some some Christmas movie things that are going on because a lot of those happen all throughout November and then creep into maybe some in December. Um, but yeah, I heard. Uh, I haven't seen the Lindsay Lohan one yet. I want to see it, and that just came out on Netflix. I heard um, not strong things. So, but it'll be interesting to see how they pull that off, or how she's looking these days. And I know she released a single of, uh, I believe, Sleigh Bell Rock, and it's oh no, it's very, it's very Sleigh Bell Rock. So. Um, but I don't know. We'll see uh, how that all comes together. Definitely the menu is on my list as well. Um, and She Said, uh, also another prominent Oscar film. Interesting that the menu comes out right before Thanksgiving. I recommend people <laughs> checking that out before we get to Turkey Day. Can we do that? Because it's probably not a good idea. Especially considering we want to clear the decks because um, Glass Onion uh, Knives Out 2 is going to do a week-long release during the Thanksgiving holiday. Plus, you have Spielberg's The Fablemans uh, coming out as well. That is one of Chris's draft picks. Um, so we'll probably end up talking about that at some point. So and Bones a lot and coming all. Up. Yeah, Bones and all. I, I forgot when the release date is. That, man, talk about a double feature between the <laughs> menu and Bones and all. That might have to be an episode. If that's out at the same time, that might have to be the... The movies you don't want to sit down with a like do dinner in a movie with, right? So <laughs> right. that's a good way to end it. Thanks, Shane, for as always for being on and uh, you know being here with me, man. This is great. We got through it. We're, we're we get some break from the MCU for a few months again, so we'll revisit soon enough and uh, come back next week, everybody. We'll have more recent activity for you. See you then. <laughs>